Pleasant. Uh, we're excited that you're here today. I'm glad that you're here. Uh, my name is Andrew Philbeck. I am the group's pastor, and I'm glad that I get the opportunity to uh, continue our A Word to the Wise series with you today. Uh, now, I want to say before we do anything else that even though this is a series on Proverbs, I want to ask you to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the book of James chapter 3. James chapter 3. Uh, that's what we're going to read in just a moment. I promise we're going to read several Proverbs. Uh, hopefully we're going to be challenged and even convicted by several Proverbs. But I want to begin by reading a, a very famous passage from the book of James about the power of our words. And I want to do this because it's going to lay the foundation for everything else that I'm going to talk about today. You see, this topic of our words it's actually been a very challenging uh, sermon for me to prepare because, uh, well, it's a couple reasons. Uh, first of all, honestly, just because the book of Proverbs has so much to say about our words. It has so much to say about, you know, the things that we say and why that matters. And so, you know, it's, how do I summarize this? How do I condense that? It's just, you know, one of those things you just kind of have to deal with. The second reason that this was a little bit challenging for me, though, was because, honestly, I have this fear uh, that for many of you, what I'm going to talk about is not new. It's not revolutionary. It's not something that you've never heard before. And because of that, you know, you really wrestle with, I really wrestled with, you know, what's the best way to communicate this? What's the best way to put this message together? So even though it's something that we are probably, most of us at least, probably familiar with, it's still something that's impactful. It's still something that's challenging. Uh, because honestly, at the end of the day, what I really just... Uh, felt like when I was putting this together is that the reality is so many of us, we just don't take our words as seriously as we should. So all that being said, uh, let's go ahead and read uh, from the book of James. If you're able, please stand with me for the reading of God's word. I'm going to read James 3 verses 1 through 12. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. I decided to just go ahead and read this whole section of scripture uh, rather than cutting uh, or kind of, uh, you know, just pulling out a little bit, little bits and pieces of it. So uh, what that means is it's a little bit longer than we usually have a uh, passage, and it means I'm going to read a little bit faster. So I hope you can keep up with me. But I feel like if Saturday night was okay, you guys should be good. So James 3, starting in verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting the entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. Thank you. You may be seated. We always ask for God to bless the reading and the hearing of his word. 
Now, because I think so many of us are familiar with just the topic of our words, uh, my goal today is not necessarily to teach you anything new. I would love it if that happened. You know, I think that that would be great. But to be perfectly honest, that's not the place that I'm coming from. My goal is to get you to take seriously something that you already know. And it's very, very simple. It's the fact that your words have power. Your words have power. And because of this goal, I'm trying to make this message as practical as I possibly can. Because this fact that your words have power, this, this should not be the first time that you've ever heard something like this. There's a good chance that everyone here, you know, agrees with that statement. Because chances are we've all felt in one way or another the power of words in our lives. Sometimes we feel it negatively. You know, we felt the, the cutting painful remark that someone has made toward us. Or, you know, we felt the pain that comes when someone just sort of makes an offhanded uh, comment that really hurts our feelings a great deal. But at the same time, we know that words have power and it's not all negative. I'm sure that we've also probably felt uh, the joy that comes from, you know, an unexpected compliment or, you know, how it makes us feel when we receive words of affirmation from someone that we care about. We know that words have power. I was thinking about this. I was thinking about the fact that our words have power. And what it honestly made me think of uh, was the very first time that I told my wife that I loved her. Uh, my wife and I have been married for over 16 years now. We started dating when we were both in college. Uh, and, you know, it didn't take long for me to decide that this was the woman that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. And so we'd been dating for a few months and, you know, I was really happy, really excited, obviously. And I, you know, assumed that she was as well because we continued to date. And I just remember having this moment where I was like, you know what, I just need to tell her. I need to tell her how I feel. And so we spent the whole day together. Uh, we did a bunch of different things. And, you know, we were together in the evening and it was about time for us to go our separate ways. And I remember that I gave her a hug and I looked into her eyes and I said, Kara, I love you. And there was this great pause where, you know, she just let it all soak in. <laughs> and then she looked into my eyes and said, do you say that to all your girlfriends? <laughs> I didn't, just so we're clear. That's a true story. It's, it's something that we joke about. She and I joke about it a lot, even to this day, but you know, it's just because humor hides pain really well. Um, but listen, okay, her words, they did not change the way that I felt about her even a little bit. And to be honest, what they did do was they made the day that she looked at me and said, I love you, to me, that much more meaningful because I knew she wasn't just repeating what I had said. I knew she wasn't just saying it because she felt like she had to in the moment. Our words have power. We can all nod our heads in agreement with that, but the problem is that just because we know that in our heads doesn't mean that it makes it into our hearts. And if it doesn't make it into our hearts, then it's never going to impact the way that we talk. So what we're going to spend the rest of our time doing today is looking at three different areas of our lives and the power of words in those areas. And I know, I know that this sounds simple. It might even sound a little bit lazy. Uh, but the main thing that I want you to take to heart today, the truth, the truth that I really want you to remember is the simple fact that your words have power. Because if we don't really, truly, honestly believe that, then we're never, we're never gonna take our words, what we say and how we say it, we're never gonna take them as seriously as we should. We're never gonna give them the attention 
that they need. And I have three points, like I said, but we're going to spend the vast majority, the vast majority of time on point number one. And it's all about how we talk to others. So if you like to take notes, you can just write this down next to a number one, talking to others. Talking to others. Look at this verse from Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18. It's from the English Standard Version. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Everything that we're looking at right now, everything that we're talking about right now has to do with the way that we talk to other people. And I love this verse because it captures so wonderfully the power of our words to basically either hurt a great deal or heal in a very meaningful way. Proverbs 18, 21 goes right along with it. It says, the tongue can bring death or life. All right, let's see. Let's see if we can have a little bit of fun today. I'm gonna start a movie line and I wanna see if you can finish it. Uh, don't get too stressed out. This is a very famous movie line. It's from multiple movies, very popular movies. This isn't something from some independent film that you know won a bunch of Academy Awards or something like that. This is something that, I, well, okay, to be perfectly honest, if the Saturday night crowd can do it, you can do it, okay? So I'm gonna start a movie line and you're gonna finish it. If you know it, just shout it out no matter what anybody else says so that way I don't have to worry about trying to rewrite this part of the message before the 1045 service. All right, here we go, movie line. With great power comes. That's right, that's right. You guys did even better than last night, so that's good. Listen, when it comes to the words that we say, all of us, you, me, everyone watching this, we all have great power. There's not a person here whose words don't have great power, they, whose words don't matter a great deal to someone. And our words, they can be as violent as a sword thrust or they can be as healing as medicine. This is, this is the power that each and every one of us wields every single day, every single time we open our mouths to talk. Let's look at just a couple more Proverbs quickly. Proverb 18, eight. Rumors are dainty morsels that sink deep into one's heart. Your words have the power to change the way someone views another person. You can completely alter the perspective that someone has about another human being because of the power of your words. They sink deep into our hearts. 1624, kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. Our words have the power to lift someone up, not just to make someone feel better in the moment, but to really impact someone, body and soul. I mean, think about that. One of the biggest lies, one of the biggest lies that we tell ourselves is that our words are cheap. And I understand that, I, I, I really do. And I understand why we say that because it is so much easier to say something or to say you're gonna do something than it is to follow through with it. I get that. But at the same time, we all know or we should know that our words carry great weight. And oftentimes we know this, sadly, because you know, we've had words spoken to us that have been cutting words, biting words. And these words, they may not leave a physical scar the way that you know, being stabbed by a sword would. But the truth is, I hate that this is the truth, but the truth is, a physical wound will often heal much quicker than an emotional wound. 
And so think about that. What that means is that a physical wound will often heal much quicker than a wound caused by our words. And I bet there's not a person here who doesn't know that. I don't want to know. I don't want to think about how many of us carry scars on our hearts from the words that have been spoken to us over the years of our lives. I mean, some people can probably think back to childhood and remember cruel, uh, just mean, inconsiderate, you know, words that have created baggage that they still carry to this day. And sometimes what happens, honestly, is that we don't just carry that baggage. We actually let it shape us into the person that we are. And so it's the reason that we have walls around our hearts. It's the reason why we act the way that we do. It's, it's the reason that we've, we, we, we treat others the way that we do. It's because we've never chosen to deal with the damage of the words that were spoken to us. So what I want to do under this first point, what I want to do when it comes to talking to others is just right away give you three practical applications that we see uh, multiple places, not just in Proverbs, all over scripture, but multiple places in Proverbs that should help us when it comes to talking to others, when it, that should help us speak carefully when it comes to talking to others. And number one, very simply, speak less. Speak less. I know you might hear that to say, today and say, yeah, you go first. I'm trying. I promise I'm trying, okay? The sermon was a lot longer yesterday than it is today, so at least I have that going for me. Speak less. Proverbs 10, 19, too much talk leads to sin, but be sensible and keep your mouth shut. 18, 2, fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. 13.3, those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. 17.28, even fools are thought wise when they keep silent with their mouths shut. They seem intelligent. Now, here's the deal. I do, I really do think that it is important for us to talk about this and to recognize that in multiple ways, Proverbs reminds us to basically not talk so much. That's really what it comes down to. But I don't want to just focus on the negative. And what I mean by that is I don't just want to stand up here and tell you what not to do. Because the truth is, I believe that the fruit that really comes uh, in our lives, that we experience in our lives, and that we're able to share with others, uh, I, I believe that it comes when we speak less. Because what that does is it allows us to listen more. When you talk less, it allows you to listen more. And listen, we know there are few things, there are few things that you can do to show another person that you care about them, that they matter to you, than listening to them. Genuinely listening to them. Not just thinking about what you're gonna say when they're done talking. Not just thinking about how their story reminds you about something that happened to you. Not, not even just thinking as, as, you know, as, as good as these motives might think, uh, you might think these motives are in the moment. Not even thinking about how you can help them or fix them when they're done talking, but just listening to them. Appreciating them. Focusing on them and who they are. There are a few things that show a person that they matter to you more than doing that. And the opposite of this is true as well because there's not much that tells a person that you don't really care about what they have to say or what they think than interrupting them or dismissing them or acting like what they're feeling and what they're talking about. Eh, it's not really a big deal. Why are you even thinking about that? Why are we even having this conversation? James 1.19 says, you must all be quick to listen 
slow to speak. And listen, I know this is harder for some people than it is for others. You know, some people grow up and they're very introverted, they're reserved, they're, they're quiet. Uh, you know, that's just the way some people are. Some people grow up and they have no filter. Every thought that they think becomes a sentence that they speak. That's just the reality for all of us is that, you know, some of us, uh, we have different things that we have to deal with. The only time that this is actually kind of funny is when those two people tend to marry each other. And so you have the really quiet person with the person with no filter, but it doesn't mean that there's not something that they can both work on. We see over and over again in Proverbs that fewer words are better than many words. The less we talk, the more we can listen. And okay, the less we say, the more that our words matter when we do choose to speak. And one of the really sad ironies about all of this is that usually the more a person talks and talks and talks and talks and talks, the more desperate they are for someone to listen to them. And so they just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. You start to tune them out. Nobody actually listens to what they have to say. There is wisdom in speaking less. Number two, speak honestly. Speak honestly. This is not a surprising statement, of course, but it's one that we do need to emphasize if we're gonna take our words seriously. Proverbs 12, 17 is pretty straightforward. An honest witness tells the truth. A false witness tells lies. Proverbs 8, 6 through 8, this is speaking of the virtues of wisdom, and it's actually as if wisdom is the one speaking. We read, listen to me, for I have important things to tell you. Everything I say is right. For I speak the truth and detest every kind of deception. My advice is wholesome. There is nothing devious or crooked in it. And I love, I love the way that it ends. There is nothing devious or crooked in it. And that's because, honestly, and any of you uh, with small children know this is true, there's a way for us to speak where we can tell someone what happened, we can tell someone a story, and at the end of it, we can say, I didn't lie. But what we're doing is we're following the letter of the law, not the spirit of the law. We can say, well, I didn't, I didn't say anything that wasn't true. Okay, well, what about what you didn't say? What about the way you said it? What about why you said it? You know, all of these things, all of these things matter. The most effective lies that we tell are the ones that have the most truth in them. I'm going through... A, a book right now with some of the other staff members here at Mount Pleasant. And it's just, it's a small, it's a small book. It's just called You Are the Team. And it's all about, you know, teamwork in, in a business setting. It's not a, it's not a Christian book or anything, but it's just something that's really practical. And we're, we're going through it. We've enjoyed it so far, you know, for, for whatever that's worth, if any of you have ever heard of that book. Uh, but in the, in the most recent chapter that we talked about, there was a study cited that said humans are lied to as much as 200 times a day. And there was a 2002 study that found in a 10-minute conversation, people were told an average of two to three lies. I just want you to, to think about that when you're out in the commons later having a conversation with someone. You know, just <laughs> maybe keep an eye on your watch and make sure and cut it off before it goes too long. Okay, good words. Good, good words, careful words. They are first and foremost honest words. They're, they're not full of holes. They're words that can, that can stand the weight of some scrutiny. This is something we need to understand. 
This is what Jesus says during the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 33 through 37. You have also heard that our ancestors were told, you must not break your vows. You must carry out the vows you make to the Lord. But I say, do not make any vows. Do not say by heaven, because heaven is God's throne. And do not say by the earth, because the earth is his footstool. And do not say by Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Do not even say by my head, for you can't, you can't turn one hair white or black. Just say a simple, yes, I will, or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. Yes, I will, or no, I won't. That's an economy of words that should carry the same amount of weight as a sworn oath. But our words only get to that place if we speak honestly with one another. Now, there's so much... I keep saying this today. There's so much that we could talk about, but I just want to look at one, one more proverb real quickly because it kind of leads us into the third application point. Proverbs 29.5. To flatter friends is to lay a trap for their feet. To flatter friends is to lay a trap for their feet. This one might sound a little bit interesting, but there's a reason I put it under the section about speaking honestly. And because of some other things, there's actually another verse that we're going to read in just a moment that's really going to highlight this. But because of some other parts of scripture, there's two things that I want to say real quickly about uh, flattery. Uh, one of them we see directly in the text. The other one, like I said, it's, it's, you see it in other places. It's a little more just implied here, uh, but I still want to take a moment to talk about it. But I want to ask these questions. When it comes to how we talk to people, when it comes to the conversations that we have and the things that we say, you know, we say, well, should our words be kind? Yes. You know, should our words be gentle? Yes. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. But this proverb, it's not talking about being kind and gentle. It's talking about flattering someone. And so what comes to my mind immediately is this idea of buttering someone up. It's this idea of, of saying a nice thing to someone for their benefit, or excuse me, not saying it for their benefit, but saying it for your benefit so that they'll remember this great compliment you gave them, so that they'll think you're such a nice person, so, so that they'll think better of you because of what you said to them. But the second part, and this is the part that we really see directly in this proverb, it speaks to the fact that when we flatter someone, what we do is we withhold the truth from them. And when we withhold the truth from a person, they don't have an accurate representation of themselves. And this is, this is why I said, you know, should we be kind? Should we be gentle? Yes. The problem is, is that we, we mistake that sometimes. We say, well, I don't want to be mean or I don't want to be harsh. So I'm going to flatter this person. But what we're actually doing is just setting them up for failure. Let me give you a real quick, a real quick example of this in, uh, from my own life. Um, so, all my life, as you can imagine, I've had people come up to me and say, your dad has such a great singing voice. We love it when your dad sings. Yeah, I know, he sings all the time at home. I grew up with him, I get that, okay? And then, you know, grow up a little bit more. My sister grows up a little bit more. Your sister has such a great singing voice. We love it when your sister sings. Yeah, I know, I grew up with her too. That's just how it goes. And then eventually, this doesn't, not everybody does this, so I'm not trying to be mean, but some people... I just don't think they think through everything all the way because then what happens eventually is someone will look at me and go, why, why don't we ever hear you sing with them? And I want to say, well, you know, my family's been here for over 20 years. Maybe there's a reason you've never heard me sing with them. Maybe that's not even a question you need to ask. But I don't say that. 
I mean, to them, I say it up here where it's safer. You, you, get, you get that, right? Okay, well, here's the truth. I love to sing. Singing is actually one of my very favorite things to do, and I sing a lot. I just make sure that when I sing, no one else can hear me. You might want to say a special prayer for my wife and my kids, though, because they can't really escape that. Listen, when I was young and I would sing, there was never any cruelty, never any meanness or anything like that when it came to my ability to sing, but there wasn't any flattery either. And listen, I'm honestly very thankful for that because if I didn't have an accurate view of my ability to sing, just imagine what it would be like on a Sunday morning if I came walking out with a microphone as the praise team showed up on stage. It'd be this domino effect of I'm walking out on stage and you're walking out the back door and it's just this whole, you know, cycle. We're not doing anyone any favors when we flatter them. We need to speak honestly. And it kind of brings us to our third point, though, because, you know, we don't want to be cruel. We don't want to be mean or anything like that. And so number three, when we speak to others, we speak with care. We speak with care. And there are two aspects to speaking with care that we need to take to heart. And they're very simple, very simple to understand, but very difficult to live out. And this is because, this is because when we speak with care, we're mindful of how we speak and we're mindful of why we speak. This is such a big deal. The motivation that prompts us to say the things that we say is so important. Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. The first part of 15.4, gentle words are a tree of life. 25.15, patience can persuade a prince and soft speech can break bones. Now, I wanted to end with this one because I think that there can be a tendency for people to view or at least think of gentle words as being you know, soft words, weak words, words that don't carry any weight. But this proverb refutes that. And we see that a gentle word has the power to break apart someone's defenses. Honestly, a gentle word has the power to break apart someone's defenses and change someone's opinion or perspective much more than a harsh word or an argument ever does. Maybe this has happened to you. Maybe it's happened to you in your own life or maybe you've seen it happen to someone in, in, in their life, you know? Uh, someone has walls in their hearts, walls in their life, and it's all there for protection and they just harden and fortify themselves so that nothing can ever hurt them. But when someone comes to them with a gentle word, with a soft word, when someone listens and proves that they care about them as a person, not just about, you know, what they can do for them, these gentle words, they have the power to break apart this hard exterior that, that is as strong as bone sometimes. Soft speech, gentle words, they're not weak, not weak at all. They're more powerful than we realize. How we speak matters. But also, and I want you to, I want you to pay attention to this, when we speak with care, we speak because we care. When we speak with care, we speak because we care. I know that's a little cute, but I want you to remember it. 27.6, wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Proverbs 28.23, in the end, people appreciate honest criticism far more than flattery. What's your motivation? What's your motivation when you speak to someone? Think about that. When you're in an 
when you're in an argument or a fight with someone, when you see something going wrong in someone else's life, or when you have, when you have the opportunity, the chance to, to speak into something that a person is dealing with, why do you do it? What's your motivation behind it? Do you, just, do you just relish the opportunity because at the end of the conversation, you're gonna be able to say, I told you so. I said it would end this way. I told you this would happen. You should have listened to me. I tried to warn you. Well, listen, there's a lot of problems with that kind of talking, but the primary one is that no matter how true it is, no matter how true it might be, it's not about helping the other person. It's all about glorifying yourself. It's all about building yourself up. Think about this. Just, just really think about this for a moment. Are there people, is there a person or are there multiple people in your life that you know if they tell you something that hurts, if they, if they speak a hard truth to you, it's not because they're mean and it's not just because they love being right, but you know it's because they love you. It's because you know they care about you. I mean, when you know, when you know you need to have a difficult conversation with someone from a from a coworker to a child to a spouse to a friend, you know, no matter what, do you do you care more about helping them? Do you care more about what's best for them? Or do you care more about being right, showing off what you know, or highlighting all the ways that you can benefit them with your knowledge. We need to speak with care. We need to speak with care and we need to make certain of our motivation when we speak. Now, I realize that I've got about five minutes left and I still have two other points that I need to get to. Don't worry, you're gonna be fine. I promise, you're gonna be fine. That was everything that I wanted to say. It's not it's not an exhaustive list. There's so much more that you can learn about and, and be challenged by when it comes to our words, but that's everything that I wanted to talk to you about this morning when it comes to talking to others. Those are our, our practical applications that we can, we can use in our own lives, okay? So if you're still with me, you can write this down next to a number two, talking to ourselves. Number one was talking to others. Number two is talking to ourselves. Listen, I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on this, so don't worry. You might even think, some of you might even think that this is a little bit of a strange thing for me to even spend any time on. But I have known too many people who talk to themselves in a way that they would never talk to anyone else. Remember, our theme for everything that we're looking at today, everything that I'm talking to you about today comes back to this truth that our words have power. That's the foundation for it all. Listen, this is just as true when it comes to the way that we talk to ourselves. I've heard too many people talk about how they're stupid or a failure or an idiot and say all sorts of other words that I don't feel comfortable saying in a church service. And I don't want you to, I don't want you to go all glassy-eyed on me during this time because listen, if you call yourself a failure and a loser and you name yourself a screw-up over and over and over again, that's a dangerous thing. You know, one of the things that really resonated with me during last week's message was this reality that, that, that we need to be able to have an honest assessment of ourselves, an honest assessment of our lives. And here's the deal. If we name ourselves a loser or a failure or a quitter, eventually that's what we're gonna become in our own minds. And there's ramifications for 
saying these things to yourself over and over and over again that God does not want us to experience. But, you know, the, the, the opposite is true as well. This is the way that it goes uh, so much of the time. The opposite is true as well. And this is why we need to have that honest assessment of ourselves. Because on the other side of things, if you just always see yourself through rose-colored glasses, that's not always the healthiest thing either. Because I have known people, and I'm sure you have too, who are, you know, some of the most arrogant, some of the most confident and cocky people in the world. And to be honest, I've known some people like that, and I look at them, and I genuinely wonder why they have such a high opinion of themselves. Because listen, just between you and me, I don't always see it. You probably know people like that too. And if you're here today, and you look around, and everyone's kind of going like this real quick at you, like the old side-eye thing, I got bad news for you. You might be that person that everybody knows. It's just a wound from a friend though, right? Listen, the way we speak to ourselves matters. Do not, do not think that your words only carry weight when it comes to how you talk to someone else. So what do we need to do? What do we do because of all of this? How can we put these, these truths into practice in our lives in a very meaningful way? Well, Point number three, like I said, we're moving quick. Talking to God. Talking to God. Listen to these words from the book of Matthew. For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. You and me, we need to talk to God daily, honestly, openly, authentically. No one, no one understands you like God does. God knows your heart better than you know your own heart. No one loves you like God does. And remember, when we're talking about the heart in scripture, when we're talking about the heart in in our lives today, we're not talking about our emotions. We're not talking about how we feel. We're talking about everything that makes us who we are. We're talking about our true self, not the masks that we wear, not the people we pretend that we are, but who we really are. What this passage in Matthew is saying is that how we speak, the words that we say, the tone of our speech, the motivation behind how we talk, what it all does is it reveals what kind of heart we have. So I wanna ask you this question. What is your speech What do your words reveal about your heart? What does it say about your heart? Well, listen, if you're like me, and I'm not just saying this because it creates some kind of connection between us today. I'm saying this because it's the truth. If you're like me, that's not always a question that you want to answer. Okay? That's the reality of this. And the reason that this is our third point is because I want you to leave here today knowing that to truly change your words, to have our words truly changed, what needs to happen is for our hearts to truly change. And God is the only one. God is the only one through the power of the gospel that has the power to change our hearts. We can't control what we say until God has control of us. We can't change the way we talk until our hearts are changed. That's just the truth. You can change the way you talk for a little bit. You can watch your words for a little while. 
But eventually, it's gonna wear you out and it's gonna wear you down and something's gonna happen and you're gonna snap and your words are gonna reveal this truth that your heart actually isn't any different than it ever was. Only, only when we let the gospel just dig deep inside of us, only when, only when we let the gospel not just touch our hearts, but take over our hearts will we experience this true change. Only then will we be brave enough to speak the truth to someone else for their benefit, not for our glory. I mean, think about that. That's such a, there's such a difference there because in both situations, you might say the exact same thing. You might literally say the exact same words, but you and I both know that it's so different when you're saying something for someone else's benefit and when you're saying something because you just wanna build yourself up. Only through the gospel are we gonna be brave enough to put others first in our lives. Only when we have the gospel uh, touch us and change us are we gonna be secure enough to hear criticism from others without it breaking our hearts because we know that nothing can break our heart when it rests in Jesus's hands. Only with the gospel are you gonna know that you're safe enough to let the walls down, to stop all the, all the pretending because you know through the gospel that you were more loved than you ever thought you could possibly be. And you know that nothing could ever change that. Words, words have power. We can't ever forget that truth when it comes to how we speak to others, how we speak to ourselves. And we need to recognize the truth that if we want our words to change, the only way, the only way that that can happen is for us to be changed by the gospel.